News Center. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Dufrenier are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, FM 96.9, and streaming at 1290kcsb.com. We're repeated at 11 and on Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates, and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. How are you doing today? Well, I'm not going to ask you that question. Yeah, better than I am, probably. Yes, you've had you've had a tough week. Yeah, I'm just a nurse on the side. Yeah, and it's not the stock market either. No, that actually has has been going up. <laughs> so um, I think we'll skip over your trials and uh, and tribulations. tribulations. Too long yeah. for the show. Yes, yeah, it'll be too let's, depressing. Let's introduce our guest, our returning guest and sponsor, Kelly Marsh, who's the vice president of California at Cornerstone Home Lending. Kelly, thanks so much for being here with us again. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So the first article we have today is from yesterday's Wall Street Journal, Heard on the Street column. And it begins by saying the rapid rebound by some of last year's stocks doesn't make much sense. And it goes on to say that one likely explanation for the apparent bargain hunting of these beaten down stocks is a costly psychological bias called anchoring. The same trigger that draws us to buy something in a store when a much higher price is crossed out in red causes us to fixate on how much a stock is down from its better days. There's a fairly consistent long-term feeling that a stock is worth the highest price it traded at or the highest price I paid for it. That's fairly ingrained in the human psyche says, Dr. Schilling from Yale University. And so one of the um, interesting observations here is that uh, the higher a stock goes in a bull market, the more likely it is that when people think the market's turned around, they're going to think that there's a bargain, even if the fundamentals uh, are as outrageous as they were back six months ago. And at the end of the article, it says that Keynes defines this problem as uh, when you are looking at a stock fundamentally, you're forecasting the yield over the life of an asset. But when you're speculating, it's the activity of forecasting the psychology of the market. You know, it's interesting because depending upon the week, if you look at the price to earnings ratio of the S&P 500, we're not that far off of the long-term 25-year average, which is about 16 and change. And so when you look at it overall, you know, the last week of July, it was a little below that. This past week, it's a little above that. But either way, it's not, um, the S&P 500 is not over or undervalued, really. It's right in line with its 25-year average. 
Yeah, I know, but that doesn't explain why the mem stocks and 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 Tesla, for example, have rebounded. Uh, you know, they're selling at ridiculous multiples, and uh, they're lower than they were before. And I think what the article is focusing on are those stocks whose valuations were completely uh, in uh, in uh, unjustifiable. Out of line with the fundamentals yeah. are. You know, I think what it's what it's signaling is, you know, people are hoping for some innovative change, and that's really what drives markets up all, all around. And they're looking to those, you know, whether it be a hope and a prayer, it's certainly not on fundamentals, but it's looking to those meme stocks to be that innovator of the future. So the next article sort of ties into this, and it's entitled Where Money Meets Feelings, Financial Therapy Finds Its Footings which I thought was really interesting. And it, it's about a new part of the financial planning industry, which is psychology. Um, and the- I have to uh, ask though, Neil, you know, is it really new? Because well, whenever you speak to somebody about money, it, it always has psychology in it. Well, here's what the article says. It says that it began in, in, 19, in 2006. And the goal was to find a way of integrating financial and emotional wellness. And uh, there were a handful of practitioners uh, that uh, tried to come up with a way of institutionalizing this. And uh, today, the, um, there's a thing called the Financial Therapy Association, which actually has an accreditation, accreditation program for, for both financial and mental health professionals uh, to become certified in financial therapy. Um, and by the way, which I think is really ironic, is while brokers don't have this issue, even the financial, even the um, uh, therapists have signed up to be fiduciaries, uh, which I think is interesting. But um, you know, the the fact is that, um, and I think this is one of the most interesting parts of this article. It says financial planners have always known that clients have trouble implementing goals when they have been clearly outlined and demonstrated. Uh, the part that's missing out is the personal behavior element. A computer just can't spit that out. So I think what the, one of the uh, efforts here is not simply to help to instruct a client about what to do, but to help them overcome whatever psychological res uh, things are restraining them from doing it. Yeah, no, I... I, I... I definitely, there's validity, if I'm saying that right, um, to it, because much of who we are as humans, we all have that psychological component to everything we do, whether it be home buying and, you know, locking in your rate for a mortgage, or whether it be, you know, um, having interpersonal skills with your coworkers or spouse. So it's definitely an interesting, fast-growing segment, but I always have to laugh when, um, something comes up as if it's new, like it started in 2006, whereas humans have been emotional since the beginning of time. Well, when I was on Wall Street years ago, uh, one of the major firms hired a therapist, uh, a psychiatrist to be a mandatory therapist. Prescribe the drugs. When were you, when were you um, on Wall Street? No, they didn't have, no, they didn't have drugs then. This is pre-drugs. <laughs> I'm serious. This is pre, you know, uh, psychological drugs. And, uh, the irony is that people were resistant, not because it wasn't a good idea, is that no one wanted to go to a therapist, tell them their problems when the therapist was being paid by the boss. You know, you go in and say, oh boy, oh, I hate it here. You know, my boss is a jerk. In the meantime, you know, the person is uh, the, who's paying for the therapist. We've talked about pension funds and pension funds that 
because they have not been able to achieve the necessary return that they have uh, uh, that they're that they're required to to make sure that they don't have to whatever the institution is whether it's the government or a private company uh, to make up for a lack of return have gone into alternate investments and we've talked about that before whether it's private equity uh, all types of what I would consider to be more risky than one would expect a pension fund to go into and the article in the New York Times this weekend, uh, his headline, Pension Funds Stung by Crypto Crash. Turns out some public pension funds have been invested in uh, cyber currency, in, 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 in all kinds of uh, crypto. And um, the, the, you know, the, 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 in defending some of these, they, and they interviewed a bunch of pension managers, including the Houston Firefighters Fund and others, and they said, uh, why did you do this? Because they've lost a lot of money in crypto. And they said, well, yields are more attractive right now, given some of the other uh, opportunities. And I'm thinking yields on what? I mean, you, maybe the yield is for one minute, but the price uh, volatility is so great. Honestly, th this is the one place that I get so fuming mad because they had an opportunity, meaning the pension fund administrators and managers, to make up for past losses if they had just stuck to their knitting for in 2001, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't need to do something outlandish. They could have reinvented, gotten returns, and just waited out for the mark for the bond market to start delivering some interest. The fact that they went into cryptocurrency is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and also, you know, there's there's ERISA issues, and I don't see how they get away with it because they. You, 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 oh, you, I didn't even think about that. You're right. There are ERISA issues. Yeah. So the final article we have today is um, entitled "Mortgage Rates Bounce Back on Strong Employment and Inflation Data," and the the article says the, it has a wise statement, it, and it begins with inflation tends to cause mortgage rates to rise, while a recession usually sends them lower. Much of the recent volatility in mortgage rates is due to investors waffling between worries about inflation and recession. Last week's job numbers gave a boost to the sentiment that a recession is not imminent, and therefore one could make the case that mortgage rates would not be uh, going up as much as they have been. Of course, that's not what happened last week, but what's so interesting about that is the difference in views of people in the mortgage market and in the stock market. Stock market took the results of the job market uh, numbers to indicate that the uh, economy is stronger. Uh, and so it's interesting that there's a sort of a dichotomy here, but uh, I think this is the, the big question is, are we in a recession and therefore, we don't have to worry about rising interest rates, or are we going to continue to have to fight inflation? And that's going to affect both the stock market and mortgage rates as well. Uh, you're, and by the way, we have an expert on this subject. So when we be, come back after our first break, we will find out the answer to these questions. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. The Turner Foundation was founded in 1958. The organization's mission is to serve the community by owning and operating low-income apartment communities, as well as offering programs and services for the residents. Here's Donna Reeves. The Turner Foundation began to provide low-income senior citizen housing, including families and individuals. We now have transitional age youth that we're getting off the streets and we're providing them with education and employment opportunities so that they actually will have a future. They can have a successful future. So we're trying to break the cycle of poverty through education and educating the youth. And I can see the outcome. I can see the youth and how they're impacted. Go ahead and give me a call, 805-730-1200. Or you can reach me at Donna at theturnerfoundation.com. To learn more about the Turner Foundation, go to theturnerfoundation.com or call 805-730-1200. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com, or you could call us at 805-564-1290. So if you're just joining us, we have Kelly Marsh, who's the Vice President of California, for Cornerstone Home Lending. And so Kelly, tell us, it's been an exciting time, both good and bad at times in the mortgage industry. Tell us what's going on right now, um, you know, dovetailing off of Neil's last article that we just discussed. What is going on with the mortgage market right now? Well, I think what's going on is it is a almost a week by week uh, environment for rates. Um, it all depends on, as Neil said in that article, it all depends on inflation data. If if inflation continues to rise, interest rates will not like that. Interest rates will not perform well, which is essentially what we have seen this whole year. Um, so when you say interest rates will not perform well, do you mean that as the end consumer, you'll get a higher interest rate? Yes. Interest rates will go up as inflation continues to rise. Um, and, and then there's obviously now the talk of recession. Are we in it? Are we headed to it? Is it gonna be a soft landing? You know, so on and so forth. So the interest rates will do well if we see more recessionary reports come out, 
but Strong's jobs, Strong Jobs report is, is kind of throwing a little wrench into the recession talk. So it, it is a roller coaster. It continues to be. It has been a wild year, not only for uh, mortgage rates, but for the real estate market, which is what a mortgage rate is used for, is for real estate. So it's been, um, you know, as a buyer, it's, it's, been a, it's been tough for some buyers, for sure. You know, what's interesting, though, as interest rates go up, it makes housing less affordable, which should result in housing prices going down, which then make housing more affordable. So there's sort of a, a you know paradox here that one could make a case that depending upon how fast they go up and what community they go up in, it actually can make buying opportunities better for some buyers. I do think um, that, yes, historically, that has been a trend. However, what we're seeing in the current environment is there is a true housing shortage. There is more buyers than there are houses. And so there's so much data to support that, not only for us here in Santa Barbara, but across the U.S., um, that we are in a housing shortage, which is adding to that pressure of the housing market. Um, so, I mean, what it is doing though, it is allowing some buyers to get in who have been trying to buy a house. They're finally seeing their offers get accepted because there have been some buyers that have been priced out or they have buyer fatigue. They're taking a break. They're going to revisit it. And I think locally, we are also seeing some, um, you know, price reductions, whether it be, you know, sellers have, gotten nervous that their house isn't going to sell and they need to get out for some reason. And, or the real estate agents are saying, you know, the buyer demand at this price point is it's much greater if you lower it by a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the number may be. And so, you know, some people think if we go back to interest rates, that interest rates have topped out. What do you think? Do you think that they're going to go higher than what's the highest we've seen five and a half? You know, we've, it really, really depends on the actual scenario and the type of loan. We are seeing more uh, spreads in the rates between, let's say, a conforming Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loan, which is the most common loan across the country. Those interest rates are actually trending a little bit on the higher side when you compare those to a jumbo rate. So anything that is above the Fannie Freddie loan limits, which do vary from county to county, but Santa Barbara County is 783,000. So anything above that is considered jumbo. So what we're seeing is a lot of variances between the different loan products. So at one point we were seeing them top into the sixes, um, depending on the type of, uh, you know, down payment, credit score, all of that. It just, there's no, it's not one, sh one size fits all anymore for an interest rate. Um, there's just a lot of layers that can influence the rate that a consumer would get. So, you know, they've kind of had a, I'm not, I'm trying to answer your question, but they've been a range of, let's say, you know, the low fours to even the mid sixes. That's a, that's a higher, that's a larger swing than probably I've ever seen. And so is it, is it kind of like a, like the 10 year treasury, are they inverted? So are the jumbo loans actually less in interest than yes. most Fanny of the Freddy. time. Yes. Yes. Most of the time. And a lot of that has to do with some added um, what we call loan level price adjustments that came down from Fannie and Freddie. So they have some additional costs 
um, that influence the interest rate to the consumer. So it's just, it's an apple and an orange comparison. They, they, although they do somewhat fluctuate based on the bond market moves, um, the mechanics behind it are slightly different. And that actually, what you're, what you're talking about in those conforming loans came out in 2020, didn't it? Wasn't that a new thing that they came out as mortgage, mortgage refis and Fannie Freddie were getting a lot of um, loan uh, volume? There has been some very, I would say, kind of suspicious price, uh, loan level price adjustments that came down from the agencies, Fannie and Freddie, um, that was like risk-based. However, a lot of the industry felt that it was more profit-driven, not so much risk-based. It was just how they had to word it. They did pull back on a lot of that, but what we see now is there's some other mechanics that were priced in uh, with regards to second homes and investment properties. They've gotten a lot more expensive in rate for the um, Fannie Freddie loans. That's, I, that's here to stay, at least as far as we can tell. Interesting. So mm -hmm. actually for the Santa Barbara market to have the jumbo loan be competitively priced, if not less expensive than a conforming loan, that's actually probably helpful in our market where the median home price is a million and a half dollars. Yeah. A lot of times we're going to advise if a client can work with a jumbo underwrite in terms of the guidelines are a little stricter, um, cash reserves are stricter, uh, debt to income ratio stricter. So everything's a little bit tighter for jumbo qualifications. They always have been, um, but we'll bypass Fannie and Freddie and we'll go into a jumbo loan um, if they qualify in order to get the better financing terms. Interesting. So you know, because of the higher interest rates, have have you seen that people have been doing more all cash offers? And so maybe coming to you for a pre-approval and then deciding, hey, we're just going to buy it all in cash as opposed to have any level of lending because of this uncertainty in the market and or higher interest rate? We haven't seen um, that. I actually think there's probably less cash transactions, just as people are getting a little bit more concerned about the stock market and what their assets are doing for them. Maybe they're looking at kind of preserving that and not tapping into that and maybe utilizing mortgage financing. I think cash financing really was driven by um, the competitive market. And so we had a lot of cash buyers coming in that actually ultimately wanted a mortgage um, kind of no matter what the cost, I think you still have to kind of weigh the borrowing costs with what your assets are doing for you elsewhere. So without, oh, yeah, it's like that opportunity cost that, mm -hmm. you know, does that make sense to tie it all up in a piece of real estate? Most of those people did go and then refinance it after the fact and get a mortgage, correct? What right. A, a lot did. A lot used, um, you know, pledged asset lines to buy the property. So that's that's less expensive financing than than it is for a mortgage, even at um, the prior rate environment. So I think it's just so individual for every client. Um, and I think that financing is is becoming more and more common to be an accepted offer with the market that we're seeing this this the shift that we're in right now. Uh, there isn't the need for as much cash buyer contracts. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back.
When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service, every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just got invited to the prom. Do you A, meet her date? I need to see your past date report cards, your driver's license, a list of references, and this hair sample. B, help her pick out a dress. <gasps> Don't you just love the long sleeves and turtleneck on this pantsuit? Ugh. C, attend the prom undercover. Mom, what are you doing here? I'm not mom, I'm <clears throat> Calvin, the new kid at school. Or D, capture her big moment. Uh, let's take a photo of you two. I'm in the middle. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect dancers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Mark Giles here with an invitation to join me and all the gang for the Mike in the Morning Show right here on AM 1290. I'll be doing my nonprofit profile features that highlight nonprofit organizations in our community. Plus, you'll get extensive traffic, weather, and local news from Mike in the Morning himself, News of California and the West from Ben Hayes, along with commuter info and safety tips from Donnie Risden. It's the Mike in the Morning Show on KZSB AM 1290, the station that talks a lot about Santa Barbara. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you're just joining us, we have Kelly Marsh with us, Vice President of California of Cornerstone Home Lending. And we can be reached at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com, or you could call us at 805 805- Five six four one two nine zero. So Kelly, given the um, environment of the mortgage market at this time, as as a mortgage broker, are you? Is it becoming more difficult to sell mortgage-backed securities? Um, you know, that's more capital markets, and I we get a daily update from our capital markets team. Um, you know, what we're seeing is the spread, I've mentioned this before, but I talked about the spread between different loan products, but the spread between interest rates, the cost spread. So, you know, interest rates tend to work an eighth of a percent increment. And what we're seeing is um, it's tougher for a, a buyer or a refinance to do low or no cost loans. And that has to do with the secondary market where they're not paying um, yield on the higher rates because they know that those loans are going to pay off in the near future. So it's, Meaning it's they know that they're going to refinance them into a lower rate, a high likelihood. Yes. There's a high likelihood that consumers that are getting rates this year at this level will end up refinancing at some point in the near future, which 
that is a that is something you always want to factor when advising a client um, to really look at you know how what's your recoup of costs in terms of the interest rate. The lower the lower interest rate is not always the best the best strategy, especially when you're in a higher interest rate market with the prediction that we will head into a potential recessionary period where interest rates tend to perform well. So but, but the other the other side of that same question is do you have trouble getting capital? No, we do not. There is you know with the shift that we have seen this year there has been some trouble um, with some companies in regards to capital, in regards to their warehousing lines. Um, and, you know, the, the big refinance uh, companies, um, some that were advertising every time you turned on the, the, the radio or you turned on the TV, you would see their ads. They've definitely felt the shift um, since they were a 99.9% refinance uh, house versus having diversity. Now, are you getting any refinancing right now? You know, what we're seeing is the refinances that we are doing, we're doing a lot of buyout, you know, partner spouse buyouts. Um, we're doing some um, consolidation, home improvement loans, stuff like that. So a lot of um, homeowners, instead of refinancing, they're looking at doing equity lines of credit, even though prime rate is going up and will continue to probably go up a couple more times. But that would be a good strategy for a short term is to look at doing an equity line of credit, depending on what you have on your first mortgage. What's that interest rate? How much do you owe? And what are you looking at pulling out of equity? Um, and you have to really, really look at what is the blended cost of the money? And does it make sense to redo the entire loan to get the cash that way? Or does it make sense to do an equity line of credit for the time being with the goal to combine those loans in the near future? So, so now home equity lines, is that something that you do? Let's say, for instance, the owner owns the home outright and wants to do some home improvements and get a home equity line. Is that something that Cornerstone does finance for people? Well, we typically wouldn't do um, an equity line that was in a first trustee position. So if they own the home free and clear, depending on how much money they're looking at pulling out. Um, you know, if it's twenty thousand or thirty thousand, then a home equity line might might be the best option. But if it's something like a hundred to two hundred thousand, because they're going to do a bigger renovation, you probably want to get a locked for first trustee, thirty year fixed, twenty year fixed, fifteen year fixed, something that's more secured than an equity line of credit. Just simply because prime rate is already gone up quite a bit four times this year, and it's projected to go up some more. So we could be seeing those equity line rates in the sevens or eights. Wow. Yeah. That, that would be, um, that's a huge jump from where they were at, you know, 2% at one point, um, mm -hmm. last year. Right. Right. And, and to answer your question, Diane, we, um, Cornerstone, we don't do equity lines currently. Um, but we have some great referrals that we, you know, know that our clients are going to be taking care of for equity lines. We do the equity lines when we're doing a first trustee, we have a combo, but we don't do standalone single equity lines. We don't do so that's just what the person wants, as opposed to a, thir a 30 year fixed mortgage, which you would do a cash out refi for somebody who owned it outright and wanted to borrow 200 grand to do a extensive remodel, but you wouldn't do a standalone home equity line, just a combo situation. Correct. Correct. And I think it's really important to get the right advice in regards to what is the best way 
to finance that that need, whether it's a home improvement project, whether it's purchasing another property, whether it's paying off debt, I think there's that it's so important to have that right advice. And a lot of times right now, it's don't touch your first mortgage. You might have a rate in the threes, the twos, you know, and, and you've got a $500,000 loan. You're not going to want to give up that rate to, to pull a hundred grand cash out. That's where an equity line can work really well. You, you know, it's interesting. You know, we're talking about uh, interest rates um, as if it's the driver for borrowers. Uh, but I wonder how much of borrowers' decision-making is on monthly payments rather than interest rates. You know, when you lease a car, they don't even tell you the interest rate. They have what's called factors. And you know, you, you, you're leasing a car and you know what you're going to pay monthly, but you don't really have any idea what the implied interest rate is. And I wonder you know, how sensitive people are not to interest rates so much, but just to monthly payments. I, th- I think that's always something you want to factor is what's the monthly payment, but I can't skip over as my job as an advisor of what is the best borrowing vehicle and the best cost to you. Um, and so I think that's important to have that, that information to make the best decision for, for their future. I wonder, what do you think, because so many people have such low rates on their mortgages, how much do you think that's going to factor into their decision-making when they move? Should we just keep it and rent the house as opposed to sell it? You know, we're, we're basically, you know, getting free money to keep that house and rent it. And will it have, I guess my, my ultimate question is, do you think that line of thinking will hold true and then create even more of a supply issue than we already have in the country. I do think it could create an issue because why, if you have a, a, a loan at two and a half or three and a half percent or something in that range, you know, the, the shift in a, in, in selling and buying something, it, it, it could influence that homeowner. Um, I don't know that we'll see it for a while, but I think we could see because um, we saw these historical low rates for so long. It wasn't just a quick 90 day window. It was, you know, 18 to 24 months. We had this refinance window like we've never seen before. It allowed so many homeowners across the U.S. to secure low rates. So just to follow up on Diane's question, uh, isn't there a requirement in a mortgage that it has to be your primary residence? If you lease it out, isn't a risk that you're going to get your mortgage called? No. So a primary, a primary residence in the deed of trust, in most deed of trust, it's boilerplate, but the common verbiage is your intention is that you will have it be your primary for one year. So it's your intention. It's not even a requirement, although you do need to, I mean, we have had situations where there's been changes prior to the year and they're okay. Um, but it's only a year. And that's only if you did a primary residence loan, second home investment property. I mean, those don't have, those don't have restrictions or timelines on it. So you can absolutely convert your existing primary residence to a rental property, ideally after one year. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And we'll be right back. It's a 
fact, successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Are you ready to start and run your own successful business? Ready to grow your small business or home business? Women's Economic Ventures is a local nonprofit helping women start and build successful businesses. In addition to their highly successful self-employment training program, Weave offers services to help women succeed at every stage of their business, from startup and launch to building and sustaining a business, including individual business counseling, professional networking events, advanced business training, and small business loans to start or expand a business. Over 1,000 local businesses are now owned and operated by women who have taken part in programs and services. Whether you're ready to start up, launch, build, or sustain your business, Women's Economic Ventures is right here to help you make it happen. Call 965-6073 or visit weaveonline.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Banks, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So on the break, we were talking about, um, I just want to share with the listeners, we're talking about, um, you know, off my last question is it's not really an incentive to sell your property if you have the down payment money to purchase your next home. And on top of it, then, you know, it brings up that whole point, which we were speaking with Peter Rupert not that long ago from UCSB about rent control and what the state of California is passing and as well as the city of Santa Barbara. And so, you know, if you are listening, I caution you. And yes, it seems like a no brainer, but you definitely want to get some uh, legal advice before before you do it for sure. Um So, you know, that brings me, Kelly, and all that we've talked about is have as a mortgage lender, has all of this um, shifting landscape created a a tightening of qualifications? So is it harder now to get a loan? Do you have to be more, uh, are the lending standards more conservative? What does that look like for, um, for buyers out there today? I think because we, I, my answer to that would be not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but I think the reason why we haven't seen, at least from our side of mortgage banking world, um, with Fannie and Freddie and the, the other investors that we work with, is that there were so many tightening standards with COVID. So when COVID hit, there were so many added layers of 
checks in the um, business bank statements when using you know, business income and business assets. There were so many added layers due to COVID and those have actually mostly been removed. So if anything, it has felt like they've loosened up because we had this two and a half year added layer of COVID guidance guidelines that we had to follow. So um, we haven't seen anything so far uh, other than making sure we're checking the most updated uh, investment account balances that we're using. Um, as the balances have changed in, in a client's portfolio, we want to make sure we're using the most recent balance if we're kind of cutting it down to the penny, so to speak, for meeting reserves and other things that we need. Although that's always been a standard the last two months. And if you roll into the first of the next month, you know, you've always wanted that next month's statement. So that's not too different. So there hasn't been anything onerous overlaid on top of the qualifications. Not yet. And I hope not for yeah. sure. And so with, you know, last time we spoke, you had mentioned that you have that Cornerstone has a unique um, pre-approval or process is, could you explain that again for us? Because I'm not doing a very good job of that. <laughs> yeah, no, actually um, we were just saying how we're seeing a lot, a lot of success from this process. So what we're doing is we're getting um, essentially every client looking to purchase, we're getting them fully approved. So it's called a, a fully underwritten pre-approval. And what that means is that when you find the right home, you're able to make an offer on that home with a shortened timeline. Um, it can be as soon as 14 days for a closing and you can uh, waive depending on how, uh, how your underwriting approval is, but you can consider waiving your financing contingency. Um, so what it does is it allows you to go in stronger as a buyer, um, kind of beating out other buyers and we have seen a lot of success with this. How, how does that work when it comes to appraisals? So you've pre-approved pre the customer, but if they buy something that's three times what it's worth, you're not going to want to lend to them. Is there some sort of trigger that would let you off the hook if they bought a, a house that didn't pass muster with the appraiser? Um, they do have in the contract, there is an appraisal contingency, um, and it depends on each scenario, each client scenario, whether we advise them to waive that or not. Um, that doesn't mean that we as a lender won't require an appraisal, but if they have enough room in the value to still get their financing, they can, they can make that decision. So it's very individual. Um, and so wait, Kelly, does that mean if they're putting more down than the required, you know, whatever the loan thing is? Correct. What? So let's say for example, and you don't have to have 20% down, but let's use that as a simple example. You can get financing with 5% down, 10% down. Obviously that doesn't give you much room for any value discrepancies. So if you're putting 50% down and all you need for that product is 20% down, then you have quite a bit of wiggle room on the appraised value if you still choose to purchase that home if the appraisal comes in under value. Now, I will say, knock on wood, we have not had value issues. We have not seen that. So um, yes, that's always a risk, 
Uh, but what we do is when we know we have a very shortened timeline and possibly waived contingencies, both loan and appraisal, we're ordering the appraisal day one and we're getting it three days later. So we're knowing very, very, very quickly about the appraised value and they usually have an inspection contingency or some other contingency in there. Um, you know, preliminary title report contingency, common interest disclosure contingency. There are other contingencies within their purchase contract that allow them to uh, cancel. And so for somebody looking to purchase a home in this market, you'd recommend them reaching out to you and getting that fully underwritten pre-approval process started. How long does that usually take to, to go through? Once we have the client docs, then we're looking at, you know, it can be less than a week. Sometimes it's a matter of a couple of days. We do try to expedite knowing what buyers are dealing with out there on the streets with competition, which is still competitive. It's not, <clears throat> it's not like they're not having competition, especially for the right priced home. So we're, we're definitely expediting that. And we're seeing, you know, we just had three contracts get accepted with 14 day closes and they were fully approved. And how long is that um, pre-approval, you know, underwritten pre-approval good for? It's good until something really changes. So traditionally a credit report, so we pull credit obviously in order to have a fully approved loan. Um, we, the credit reports are generally good for 90 to 120 days. So it's, it's a while. We're not gonna re-pull credit after that timeline. What we'll do is we'll send an updated pay subs and bank statements just to get those cleared. And then once you know they're making an offer and let's say it's gone you know six months, so to speak, they took a break, it's six months old, we'll quickly update it. Um, and then I would recommend generally, you know, we can hold on pulling credit until they have the contract accepted. But if they're going to waive their contingencies, I'm going to say, let's pull credit. What if, you know, what if something wacky, some medical collection popped up that you had no idea about, you know, what if? So I think to you always, it's so, it's so case by case, depending on the scenario. But they're good for a long time. We have, we have clients that have been approved for a, over a year. And how long, um, you know, each time somebody, each time you pull somebody's credit, you know, it does ding their credit. What does that actually mean? Because I feel like people get really nervous about that when they really do have a, a, a huge effect. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the mystery behind credit scores. So there's like 13 different algorithms of credit scores, believe it or not, they make it really easy. Um, and so a mortgage score is generally going to be the lower of the scores. Um, you have consumer score, car financing scores, you know, uh, banking, revolving credit card scores. So there's just lots of scores. But in regards to what a credit check can do, a credit check can, can initially lower your score. It depends. It, it, it can be as small as 10 points, but you can have multiple credit checks within a 30-day window from the same code, a mortgage company code. You could have five credit checks in 30 days, and that wouldn't count as five credit checks. It would count as one because it's the same code, similar to car financing. You could have 10 car financing credit checks within a same 30-day window, and that's not going to ding your credit 10 times. It'll ding your credit as one inquiry. You know, I, I saw um, a analysis of uh, Citibank's use of credit reports, and it said that they count a payment history 30%. And I'm thinking, are you kidding? 
what else do you want to count? So, I mean, people could have a hundred percent great payment rate, but they could have not enough debt or whatever, and they get dinged. It, you know, to use credit reports is a, is a really um, bizarre kind of paradox you're in. Uh, anyway, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. 911, what is your emergency? My kid shot himself. All right, where's the wound? 911, what's your emergency? Please help. My son shot his brother. 911, what is your emergency? 911, please state your emergency. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. It wasn't locked. It wasn't locked. Learn how to make your home safer at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Kelly, I guess, you know, a question that most people have on their mind about our Santa Barbara local real estate market is, is it still a seller's market or has it shifted slightly to now kind of a neutral, maybe slightly, you know, favoring the sellers? What what do you think out there? What are you seeing in terms of the numbers, how it's shaking out? I would say, and I haven't pulled the recent data, um, but the the data I looked at from a couple months ago was still showing it as a seller's market. Again, I do think we are in a shift, like currently the shift is happening. And I do think we're going to see it probably get to neutral. I do not believe though, that we will see a buyer's market. And I think that goes back to what I said earlier in the show is that we have a true housing shortage in California, in the nation, especially Santa Barbara. I mean, we, we are, you know, the, the, the new development numbers are, are detrimental. We don't, we don't have much development happening, 
Um, and so, you know, we just have limited supply. So I think our, our market will be slightly different than probably the national average. And so in the remaining time that we have left, I think your fully underwritten pre-approval process is, you know, the reason people should go to you, that in and of itself is a very unique product. But what else is going on at Cornerstone and why should people call you over your competitors? You know, I, I think that it all still goes back to like right now is more, it's, it's always been important to have an advisor um, Diane, like, like you were talking about the article at the beginning is that, you know, you're a therapist. I mean, you're a financial therapist. I'm a mortgage therapist. I think there is a piece to this, this um, puzzle here that is so important to, to have the right advice, um, especially now in this environment, knowing that we may see lower rates there may be a shift in the real estate market, the values, you know, having the right person that can, you know, stand by you and, and, and advise you accurately, coach you is key. And, and I think, you know, you're selling yourself short if you don't say that your service is by far the best in the industry. I, I give a lot of referrals to Kelly because she did a really great job with her clients, um, making them understand what they're getting involved in and understand their rates, understand their payments. And so she has a great team behind her. If you're thinking about you know, becoming pre-approved for the buying process, I recommend Kelly wholeheartedly. And, and uh, by the way, for both of you, when someone goes past their financial or mortgage needs and asks about the problem that they have dealing with their spouse, refer to a regular therapist. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening. Okay, you yeah. You have been listening to Money Talk, and thank you so much, Kelly Marsh. As usual, you're you're terrific, uh, and everyone should go to Quarterstone Home Lending, even if you're not buying a house. Uh, thank you for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.